the reason that uh, the idea of money, particularly the conversation of money in regards to the church world, the reason that it's so weird is because people tend to believe, with good reason, because a lot of people this is true of, people tend to believe that the church talks about money because we want your money, right? Like, like the reason that we spend a half hour opening God's word and talking about why you should be generous and why you should give your money is because ultimately we're going to end the service with, and now let's give together. And everybody's going to open up their wallets, open up their pocketbooks and give their money to the church. The reason that we kicked off this series with Compassion Sunday is to put that idea to rest in your mind because we kicked off our generosity series by telling you to sponsor a kid and give your money away, but give it somewhere else. Don't give it here. And the reason that we did that is because we want you to know that this is a series about generosity, not because we want something from you, but because we want something for you. We're convinced that when generosity is unlocked in your heart and you begin to live like Jesus and become a very generous person, that it transforms every area of your life. And we don't say that because we think it. We don't say that because it sounds good. We say that because we've experienced it. My wife and I have experienced it firsthand in our own life. And so you got to know this series is not about you giving the church more money. Please hear me say that. If for one second you think the reason that I'm saying what I'm saying is because I want you to give more money, I want you to hear me say loud and clear, give it somewhere else if that's what's holding you up. If that's what's locking this up in your heart and life is you think that the guy who's saying it has an agenda, give it somewhere else. Because I'm convinced that if this is unlocked in your heart and in your life, it will literally change everything. Because we don't want something from you. We want something for you. This is not just a series about money. This is a series about your heart, which will affect how you spend your money. Let me show you what I'm talking about. If you've got your Bibles, I would love for you to open up to the New Testament book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to be picking it up at the very beginning. For those of you that don't have a Bible, you can pick one up at our resource center free of charge. We'd love for you to have a Bible. Take it home. um, Study it for yourself. We don't want anybody to walk out of here without a Bible. But for those of you that don't have one for the purposes of today, the verses will be up on the screens. Now, for those of you that are good at kind of like flipping through the Bible and you know where stuff is, you're going to have fun with this because we're going to be a little bit all over the place this morning. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your finger in Matthew chapter 7, the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, and leave your finger there. And if you've got one of those old school, like leather bound Bibles with a little string in it, throw your string in there. This is the first time ever you've been told at Hope City Church to use the string in your Bible. I want you to put your string in there so you kind of hold it right where you're supposed to be. And I want you to flip over a few books to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 37. We're going to be reading these two passages parallel and together. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, the scripture says this. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now we've all heard this passage, whether you've been raised in church or not, everybody knows this verse, right? You don't have to spend but about 10 seconds on Pinterest and somebody's got this into like a little graphic art or something that you hang up in your house, right? Don't judge, don't judge, like everybody, don't judge. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now let's look at just the first part of that verse and the last part of that passage. Do not judge or you too will be judged. And the last part says, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you, right? That's the first and the last of that particular passage. Now flip over to Luke chapter six, verse 37. We're going to look at what's called a parallel passage. Look what it says in Luke chapter six, verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. See, 
the Gospels were written from four different perspectives, but about the same guy and about the same set of circumstances. And so what we've got here is we've got one particular event, one statement that Jesus is making, but it's being told by two different writers from two different perspectives. So it's the same thing, same passage, same verse, but written by a different author. Do not judge and you will be not judged. And now let's go to the very end of verse 38 in this particular passage. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Sound familiar, right? Because it's a parallel passage. Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that whenever pastors want to talk about being judgmental, whenever pastors want to talk about hypocrisy, they always jump to this Matthew chapter 7. Don't judge, pastor, because that's all it says. It works perfect. You preach on that. You end. You say amen. Everybody goes out, and they don't judge anymore, right? And then when pastors want to talk about money, they go to this Luke passage, this Luke chapter six passage. But here's the problem. Neither of the passages are strictly about judging or about money. We've got to look at both verses in context of what all is in the actual text. So look at with me at Luke chapter six, verse 37. Let's read on from just that first part. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven give and there's that verse that everybody uses when they talk about money give and it will be given to you how much well a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use it will be measured to you we like to think that these passages are about judgment and about money but these passages are actually about the condition of your heart what's going on inside your heart. If you're somebody who has a heart full of forgiveness and you extend what comes out of your heart, you extend forgiveness, guess what's going to come back to you? Forgiveness. If you are somebody who extends condemnation, guess what's going to come back to you? Condemnation. Whatever you give out of your heart, that's what will come back to you. This is a passage about you getting your heart right so that what you extend out of your heart will come back to you in good measure. Now, this is either a really good thing or a really bad thing, depending on what your heart looks like. If you're somebody who gives judgment, guess what you're going to get? Judgment. If you're somebody who gives condemnation, guess what you're going to get? Condemnation. If you're somebody who gives freely forgiveness, guess what's going to be given to you freely? Forgiveness. This is not a passage about money. This is about your heart. And understanding that whatever you give out of your heart is what's going to come back to you with good measure. So if we're not talking about money, we're talking about the heart. Now let's reread the end of that passage. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. What? What will be poured into your lap? What will be running over? Whatever you give from your heart. I uh, was talking to a pastor one time and he said that he had a counseling appointment with this lady and she called and wanted to cancel the counseling appointment because she had her kids and she couldn't find a babysitter. And he said, oh, no, 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 it's fine. We've got office staff. Just come on in. You can, somebody in the office will watch the kids and I'll, I'll talk to you and it'll work. It'll work perfect. It'll work great. So she brought her kids in. The kids were out in the lobby area playing and she sat down with the pastor and she said, pastor, I don't know what to do. Like my kids, they're just, they're animals. 
They're evil to me. They're rude. They're mouthy. They yell. They scream. They're jerks. I don't, I don't know what to do with these kids. And the kids were actually out in the lobby displaying exactly everything she was talking about. They were being loud and mouthy and rambunctious. And so she leaned around the corner and said, y'all shut up. And the pastor said, well, I know why your kids are jerks. And I don't even need a degree for that. Right? Because whatever you give, whatever you extend to others, that's what will be given to you. Now, we don't like to talk about giving. We don't like to talk about money. But the truth is, it's not that we don't like to talk about giving, and it's not that we don't like to talk about money. We don't like to talk about our heart. We don't like to talk about the condition of our heart. We don't like to talk about how talking about money makes us feel on the inside because of the way it's attached to our heart. We don't like talking about the condition of our heart. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to take this money conversation and kind of sit it to the side for just a few minutes this morning. And I want to spend a few minutes talking about your heart. I want to spend a few minutes talking about how we examine our heart and how we unlock this idea of generosity in our heart and the benefits and the dividends that it will return to us if we're willing to examine our heart, do things in our heart that unlocks generosity in our heart. To do so, we're going to be looking at that passage that we opened up with, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 15, actually starting in verse 7. I'm going to go back and, and reread this again. If anyone is poor among your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land, the Lord your God is giving to you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Now, here's what's interesting. This very next verse, he talks about not having a particular wicked thought. And most of us would just say, well, this is just good thinking. This is just good stewardship. Well, this is just, this is just being responsible. This is just being a good manager. Look what it says. Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. The seventh year, the year for canceling debts is near. Now, let me bring some clarity and perspective. Um, God set up this system where every seven years, all debts that were owed among anybody were canceled. Canceled out, Right? How many like God's way of doing business rather than, exactly, everybody's like, I like that plan. Every seven years, we just cancel it out and call it a day, right? And so he says, don't have this evil thought that if somebody comes to you and asks for something, you go, I don't know, we're coming up on seven years. And if we're like only like 18 months away in 18 months, they'll be like, well, I'm not paying you back. The debt's canceled. Don't have that evil, wicked thought. Why is he calling that an evil and wicked thought? It's not because it's not smart. It's not because it's not wise. It's because the person is thinking about themselves rather than somebody else. Step one to unlocking generosity in your heart. And if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Deal with a selfish heart. Deal with a selfish heart. From the very beginning, God has done everything in his power to try to keep us from being a selfish people. God wants us to have generosity in our heart. And the one thing that stands in the way of generosity is selfishness. That's why he instituted giving. I want you to think about this for just a second. If there were poor people in the land of Israel and there were people that were needy, this is the God who parted the Red Sea. This is the God who sends fire from heaven. This is the God who like with a single word speaks universes into existence. Could God not feed the needy? Could God not give to the poor? Could God not make sure that everybody had enough food? Sure he could. Well, why didn't he? 
because he instituted a system not for the needy and not for himself, but for the giver. Because giving does this unbelievable thing. It cancels out jealousy. It cancels out envy. And it cancels out selfishness in our hearts. God didn't give us giving because he needs your money. Come on, seriously. He's the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God doesn't need your money. He gives you this this system of giving, not for his sake, not for their sake, but for your sake. Because giving cancels out selfishness in your heart and in your life. The the struggle that I have as a pastor is that the majority of pastors who are preaching Luke 6.38 are preaching it like this. Give and you'll get, give and you'll get, give and you'll get. If you just give this much, then you'll get this much in return. Because that's what the verse says. The verse says that a good measure pressed down, overflowing, like it'll all be dumped into your lap. If you just would be willing to give, you'll get so much in return. You got to watch out for those jokers with credit card numbers on the bottom of the screens. I'm just telling you, when they're telling you give and you'll get so much in return, there's something wrong with that, fundamentally wrong with that because it doesn't even make any logical sense giving you'll get giving you'll get like God is up in heaven going oh thank you I'm so so glad that my people are finally getting to a place where they're living selfishly and they're all about getting for themselves I'm so glad that's happening in their hearts and lives no God's not interested in you being that way God's interested in unlocking generosity in your heart and canceling out selfishness the problem is is giving you get giving you get giving you get it opens up selfishness in our heart and it doesn't even make any sense if you give to get why didn't you just keep what you got in the first place and not give what you got and then you don't got to worry about God giving you something back that doesn't even make any sense you don't give to get you give because of what God is doing in your heart and in your life and the way he's instilling his values and his purposes in you Luke 6 38 is not the reason why you give it's the benefit it's the benefits of giving. It's the benefits of being generous. It's not the reason and the purpose behind it. God gave us giving to cancel out selfishness in our heart. And the way that most pastors are preaching it is actually infusing selfishness back in. Giving is not about what you get in return. Giving is to get rid of and deal with selfishness in you. Because when you are selfish, You are thinking about you and not others. And that's not imitating or mirroring your creator who is the giver of every good gift. God says, I want you to be my people who bear my image, who bear my name. I want you to look like my son and my son gave everything for you. Don't be selfish. Deal with a selfish heart. Look at verse 10. It says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Now this is huge. Give without a grudging heart. What what does that look like? What does that mean? Well, I'm just telling you as a pastor, I have witnessed this firsthand. I witness it all the time. Every time that I do the giving talk here at Hope City Church, I see a picture of this. We're gonna give together now. Right? A grudging heart. Dreadful heart. I guess I'll give because I'm supposed to give. But gosh, and then you get that giving statement at the end of the year and you see how much you gave and you're like, gosh, we could have went on a vacation with that money, right? That's a grudging heart. You got to deal with 
a grudging or a grieving heart. If you're taking notes, that's point number two. Deal with a grieving heart. Don't grieve over the loss of your money. Well, how in the world do I not grieve over the loss of my money? It's my money and I worked really hard for it and I'm just giving it carelessly away. You know, I just realized, I don't know where my wife's at. We don't, we don't have any money for lunch. Um, shoot. I would really love, does anybody, anybody help me out? You got me? What you got? Thanks, bro. I appreciate that. That's nice. 60 bucks, dude. We're, we're going to Nakato after this. Nice. Thanks. I appreciate that. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I, you know why he, he jumped up so quick to give me money for lunch when I said that? It's because it's I gave it to him before the service. And I said, when I, when, when I, uh, when I say that I'm needing some lunch money, I want you to get up and give me my money back. Right? Do you think he did that with a grieving heart? Or a grudging heart? Or a dreadful heart? No. Why? Because it wasn't his. It was mine. He was just holding it for me for a little while. I just gave it to him to manage and steward for me for a little while. But it's mine. So when I asked for it back, he gave it freely. You know why so many of us dread and grieve over giving it's because we make the mistake of thinking that what we've got is ours it's not ours the scripture says that the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof every good and perfect gift that you have is a blessing from him everything that you have is his And when we get to the place and we get to the point where we realize it's not ours, but it's a blessing from him to be able to use, to be his hands and his feet in the world, then when we're given opportunities to do just that, we jump up and we look for and we want to give and we want to give freely and excited and quick. Why? Because it's all his anyway. That's how you deal with a grieving heart. That's how you work through grudging giving is by getting to the place where you recognize that none of it is yours. It's all on loan from him. Now look at what the rest of this verse says. It's really interesting. It's fascinating. It says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you, watch this, in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Here's the problem with the give to get mentality. We think that if we give generously and not grudgingly, that God will give that back to us like fourfold or sevenfold or whatever verse you're quoting for that day. But but it doesn't say that. It says that God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. That's why this series is called The Blessed Life, not The Blessed Wallet. I'm not telling you that if you give and you give generously that God's gonna like, you're gonna get a check in the mail. Because I'm just telling you that may happen. It may not. The disciples, the guys who followed Jesus around for three years and then went out and changed the world by starting the early church. Guess what? They gave everything they had for the sake of the gospel. You know what they got in return? Execution. Anybody who tells you that you give, you give, you give, and it'll just come back in your mailbox over and over and over, they're lying. That's not what the scripture teaches. But what the scripture does teach is this, is that if we would get to the place where we deal with our heart, we deal with the selfishness in our heart, we deal with the grieving in our heart, and we become generous people, it will 
cancel out and do away with selfishness in us. And when selfishness is done away, it trickles into every area of our life, like selfishness in our marriage and selfishness in our home and selfishness at our job. So guess what? When you make the decision to give and give generously, God begins to bless your marriage. God begins to bless your home. God begins to bless your relationships and your job. God will give you sometimes tangible, but often intangible blessings. He will open up and bless parts of your life that you didn't have the capacity to bless yourself because you are generous. I've just watched it happen over and over again. I've watched it happen in my life too. So point number one, deal with a selfish heart. It's the first way to unlock generosity in your heart. Point number two, deal with a grieving heart. You've got to get rid of seeing things as your own if you're going to unlock generosity in your own heart. Number three, give more than and more often than you think you should. Now, everybody was good until we got to this one, right? It's like, man, I love this. We're, we're not having to talk about money. We're dealing with my heart. And nobody really can tell if I'm actually dealing with my heart. So I can pretend like I'm dealing with my heart, but I'm not really dealing with my heart. Man, this is my kind of church. I like this, right? But now we're to the point where, oh, shoot, now I got to do something with it, right? Give more than and more often than you think you should. Let me, here's what I want to do. I want, I want, I want to go back to the, the Luke passage, Luke chapter 6. We read verses 37 and 38, but I want to look at the six verses leading up to that that gives us a real indicator of why it says give and it will be given to you. Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Look what it says. It says, give to everyone who asks you. Now, this is the verse in the New Testament that in our particular culture, we pick apart more than any other verse, right? And we add addendums to, and we like to amend. We say, yeah, you're supposed to give to anyone who asks you, but if they're gonna use it for something that's gonna hurt themselves or if they're gonna ruin their life or if you're enabling them, like that's just terrible. We don't need to do that. Like if, they're, if you see a homeless person on the side of the road, you don't give them money because if you give them money, they're gonna go and get alcohol with that. So you gotta go get them food. You certainly can't give them money even though they're asking for money. We make the mistake of trying to fit the text into our line of thinking rather than changing our line of thinking to be so different from the rest of the world that we actually begin to look like the text. So let's read on so that we don't misinterpret this passage or add things to this passage. And maybe, just maybe, you will walk out of here different than the way you came in. Luke chapter 6, verse 30. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone who takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. You know that verse says, if somebody is going to be sinful with something that they take from you, something that you earned, some of your resources, that's on them. That's not on you. You have a responsibility and that is to not only bless them, but bless them with more than you thought you should. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You may say, I don't like this passage. Well, you don't have to like it. It's just there. Like when I read it, I thought, well, shoot. Dang it. Right? But it's what it says. Jesus is calling us and commanding us and asking us, come on. I want you to be holy for I am holy. I want to set you apart. I want you to look different than everybody else. And here's how. It says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good to you, which we're really good at, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. 
And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But I want you to be different. And let me show you what that difference looks like. But you, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to do good to them. I want you to lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be, watch this, children of the most high. Then you will be image bearers of God. Then you will begin to look like the one who is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And here's why. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Basically what he's saying is, it doesn't matter how much you think they deserve. It doesn't matter what position you're in and you really don't know that it's a good idea to give that money because of what's going on in your life or what's going on in their life. Like none of that matters. You be generous because you're an image bearer of the God of all creation who was insanely generous when he bankrupt heaven and sent his son, Jesus, on your behalf. You be generous to those whether you think they deserve it or not. You give more to to people than you think you should. Why? Because God gave more to you than any of us thought he should. God gave everything for us when we were wicked and when we were running. He came after us and was generous towards us. When we begin to live this way, we begin to look like Jesus. First thing you got to do is deal with a selfish heart. Canceling that out. Don't give to get. Second thing you got to do is deal with a grieving heart. Stop holding on to your money like it's yours. Third thing you got to do is start putting it into practice. Start giving. Giving generously. Giving freely. Giving out of excitement. Giving because you know God has blessed you and you want to be a blessing to others. Giving because you want to be an image bearer of Jesus. And then finally, number four, and I think this is probably the key, is develop a grateful heart. Develop a grateful heart. You know who the most generous people I know are? They're the people who've been recipients of generosity in their own life. Like the people I know that are the most giving and the most excited when they have resources are the people who at one point didn't have resources and were recipients of generosity in their own heart and in their own life. People who know what it means to be given something. And so they want to bless others by giving to them. Those are some of the most generous people I know. It's because they have a grateful heart for what they've been given. And if that's true, if that's true, followers of Jesus should be some of the most generous people on the planet because we've been given everything through Jesus. And the sad part is if you ask anybody 
outside the four walls of the church, they would tell you that followers of Jesus have a reputation for being some of the stingiest people on the planet. We're we're like that guy that Jesus talked about in the New Testament who was granted forgiveness from his debt and then ran out and ran across somebody who owed him money and he choked the guy and demanded that he pay. God's saying, no, I granted you freedom. I gave you a relationship with me. I pursued you when you were wicked. I was generous toward you. Now go and be generous to the rest of the world. My generosity, my kindness is what led you to repentance. And your generosity will be what leads the rest of the world to repentance. Because you bear my name. There's a passage in the New Testament that says this. It says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And basically, in a nutshell, what that verse is saying is that when you look at your treasure and how you allocate and how you give and how you spend and what you do with your resources, when you look at that, when you look at your check register, it is a mirror image of the condition of your heart. If you keep everything for yourself and you look at your check register and it's all about you taking care of you, supporting you, buying stuff for you, If you look at your check register and all of your free money is spent in the walls of Concord Mills, like it's probably all about you. If you look at every time you get free money, it's to to do some kind of add-on to your car or to your house or an improvement to your kitchen. It's all about you. And I'm not saying those things are evil or those things are bad, but if everything you do with the resources that you have are for you, then it's about you and you have a selfish heart. There's no way to get around that. If you spend all your money on your kids, guess what? That means your kids have your heart. And if you give to the work that God is doing around the world, if you give to support and bless those who have less than you, if you give to advance the cause of the gospel, then you're saying those things have my heart because God has my heart and my heart is beginning to beat like his my desires are beginning to look like his desires my wants are beginning to become his wants the question this morning is really simple what's your heart look like not how much are you giving not are you giving enough not are you giving it all what's your heart look like Do you have a generous heart? Have you dealt with a selfish heart? Have you dealt with a grieving heart? Do you give more and more often than you think you should? And have you developed a grateful heart for what God has entrusted to you and blessed you with through his son? I know for me for a long time, I didn't and I hadn't. And that's why generosity was so difficult for me. So I wanna challenge you this morning. Would you be willing to examine your heart? This is worse than talking about money, isn't it? Like, at least with money, it's like, okay, I'll give. But man, this is deeper than that. And the reason why I want us to talk about our heart is because I could convince you 
I could stand up here for 25 minutes and convince you to give and then say, let's all give together. And I promise you, we have a great offering. But it wouldn't last. I could convince you to go out and do something great for a homeless person this week. And you would this week, but it wouldn't last. The key to unlocking a life and a heart of generosity starts with examining your heart and making sure that God is transforming you, not by external factors, but from the inside out. So how's your heart? We're gonna pray and we're gonna close. And this week, I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to have any other homework. I don't want you to have any other application than this. Would you be willing to examine your heart and be willing to ask the question, has generosity been unlocked? in me let me pray for you God we love you and we're grateful that you give us this gift and it really is a gift of giving because of what it does in us you don't need our money you could fix every problem in the world immediately but you give us this gift called giving because of what it does in us Some of us struggle with giving, but it's not because of the money. It's because of our heart. So God, convict us. Draw us close to yourself and help us to see what in us is different from you and help us to be willing to change, to pursue you, to be intimate, with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.